You're listening to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode five of season two. One year, 45 episodes, more than 120,000 downloads, the start of two seasons, and thousands of incredible supporters from all over the world. This week, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. We are so grateful for the love and support we have received both on and offline. Thank you for joining our sisterhood, and we're so excited to see what year two has in store for us all. Hey, it's Danielle and Zaina, and welcome to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast where we elevate the voices of women by sharing their stories of struggle while also highlighting their success. We wanted to create a space for women to feel like they're not alone in whatever hardship they may be facing. Some conversations may be lighthearted, while others may touch upon taboo topics ranging from mental health to women's bodies and spiritual struggles, and we don't shy away from any of it. But our overall mission is to make every woman realize that she is not alone. We are all in this together, I promise. Our sole purpose is to build relationships, not barriers, between you and the woman who may need you. We're here to provide inspiration and to build courage. Tune in every Wednesday where we'll feature an insightful guest who will help us reach these goals. We laugh, we ugly cry, and we'll probably laugh some more. So plug in your headphones, grab your favorite cup of coffee or shea, and get ready to become a part of this unbreakable sisterhood. You are tuning into season two of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. Wow, I cannot believe we made it to our one year anniversary for our little baby podcast. Like this is exciting. What I can't believe is that it's been a year and it still takes us an hour to record these intros. <laughs> you think people struggle when they take selfies? You know how you have a whole camera roll of like failed selfies? We have a whole file of failed intros oh and my we have God. to keep redoing. Why are we like this? Why are we like this? But Honestly, I wouldn't change it for the world because we made it to one year. Something is obviously working. We're doing something right. And I have a little song to celebrate <laughs> this monumental event. It's going to trigger a lot of childhood memories. And we're hoping that it's triggering good memories. Yeah. You ready? Zena. I can't help with the dance when it's playing. Cha-cha-cha. Okay, I'm going to stop it. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that playing the whole time we're talking. I remember when I was little, then my mom would like unveil me by taking off all the balloons from in front of me. Like, you know, they, that's so cute. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's making it a thing by putting it on their like backdrops, which we're going to do at our started. event. But yeah, my, like literally our parents used to have it in like in front of us and then they would unveil us and then whoop, there goes a birthday this girl. This song actually reminds me of when I lived in Palestine and they would put like these fireworks mm -hmm. on the cake and it was like the scariest thing as a kid. But yeah, I honestly, Honestly, it's the perfect song for this occasion. I feel like we just started this the other day. Like it really feels like just a week ago we started the podcast, but we're here one year it's later. so crazy. Really, our real anniversary is March 6th, which is going to be Friday, which is yes. in two days. But obviously we're going to celebrate all week. But it's like we need a pinch me moment. It's hard to realize like we worked this hard for a whole year releasing all these episodes and having such amazing women coming on. Like, thank you to every woman. Like, here's a shout out to you for honestly trusting in us, believing in us and wanting to share your story because I think that was that's what obviously makes our podcast oh of course it would be nowhere without the women supporting us both on and offline and honestly it feels it's it's so it's so crazy like one year and everything we've been through because of this podcast and I don't go back and listen to the earlier episodes because they're now you said it because they now they're going to but do like that. just seeing the 
the growth the progress yeah where we were and where we are now like we're not incredible now but i think we're doing a lot better no i think we should toot our own horn i think we're toot, toot. you know all we're really doing you and i Zayna's rolling her eyes but I'm not editing that out it's gonna stay in there but really it's like all we wanted to do you and I for real when we started this we were like we're just gonna provide the mics and we want to provide a platform for women to share their stories so all we did was provide the mics so I really want to give credit to those who are supporting us and those who are choosing to come on and share their stories I think you guys are the incredible ones you guys are the ones that we should be celebrating with the whole one year anniversary it's because of you that this podcast truly exists I mean like the other day my mom was like this is kind of funny I wonder if I'm going to be able to explain it right but she's like when are you going to settle down and have a children and all that stuff like you're getting a you did bit not older. say what I think you said <laughs> did you say my the podcast is your I'm like, child I have a baby already and oh she, my, my mom God. was like her facial expression was mid like about to pick up her boobooch and hit me because she's like what my daughter has a child that I don't know about <laughs> and then mid like confused like what How? yeah you i wish i could like take a picture of her face but it was that type of arab mom face and i'm like my podcast is turning one and she's like the shirini minnich and you and your podcast i'm like wow thanks for being so loving and supporting but you guys wola this is like our baby like Who i'm is? constantly thinking about it maybe i'm not freaking bottle feeding it in the middle of the night but i do not get any sleep you don't get any sleep it's- we're always thinking about it it's podcast. hard work but i think like yeah it's stressful managing our lives, our work, our family, and then also having this project. But there are tons of moments where I'm like, you know what, like I wouldn't want this to end for anything because it really is something that I'm proud of. And it's something that it's connecting me. I'm I'm selfish. I'm thinking of it as in a selfish way. But no, like for yeah. me, I'm meeting so many incredible women and it's encouraging me to continue doing what I'm doing. I think that's what it is. And I think like you're so right. Cause like every time I'm about to give up, you, There's you, something. you open up your eyes to what the whole purpose of this podcast was. And the reason why you guys would want to sometimes give up, it is hard. It's stressful because we do take hours of editing. We obviously schedule like guests, or, like our guests on these Skype calls. And then you have to post and then you have to upload these, the audio and all yeah. There's a lot. And, and there's between a lot all that, wrong. you want to spend time with your family. Yes. You want to have a life with your friends you also want to sleep and shower yeah <laughs> which sometimes those get compromised because it's like <laughs> maybe not the showering part but like sleep I definitely yeah guys we shower we really do but Zena's, yeah that's basically the point but I am just so grateful for this opportunity. I'm so thankful, Zaina, that you obviously like came to me and thought about this and thought of, because I think everybody in their own hearts wants to do something to, for their community. Yeah. You want to give back. I never thought that giving back would be sharing the stories of women, but how many women have reached out to us saying, thank you for sharing this um, guest and this story and this and that, and thank you for sharing these resources because I'm going through this. And then I look at it and I'm like, you know what? Sometimes it's hard for us to relate to one another when we're succeeding. That sounds a little weird, but what I'm trying to say is, it's like we really relate to one another and within our pain and our struggles, struggles because yeah. I feel like we're like much more empathetic than we think we are. And it's just easier for us to just really let our walls down and know, and realize like somebody else is going through something. Just be kind to them because you were there at one point where exactly. you struggled with that. So I think that's why I love sharing these stories because it does it does bring down the walls. It makes our circle bigger. I'm, I don't believe in small circles. No. I'm here for everyone and anyone to share their story. It just be a part of our sisterhood and i love 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 meeting people in person i hate the whole like oh my god you're dunes and Zena <laughs> dunes. from like yeah the podcast like aside from that i love when they we just sit down and we talk and we're like oh my god like thank you for listening to us and they'll be like, thank you for sharing those stories yeah and it's just it's nice incredible it really yeah. is and and i actually there are people that i meet and it's like oh like 
you listen like really like and it's it's something that uh I think I have to get over yeah it's hard to <laughs> it's, get it over it really that. is hard to get over but um like I said I'm just so proud of of everyone just for coming and supporting not just us but the women who come on and share their stories because like Dunya said those are the real MVPs of the podcast I mean we're season two but what are we 45 episodes yes this is the 45 45 that's crazy I mean within those 45 episodes I think we recorded three or four on our own but we've had over 40 women which is amazing coming yeah. on here and just you know wanting to help other women and it I think that's the beauty in our community and I think there is just much more collaborative behavior than competition and I love that and I think that's what we need to showcase more because that's what we're all about there's a lot of women out there that really want to help you guys if you want to succeed there's a lot more people that want to help you and want to root for you and see you win than those who don't so always have that you know thread of hope when you want to achieve something and you know at the beginning of season two we talked about taking this podcast offline and I feel like we're already on that goal we're hosting our first event and like Less than a week and a half. Uh, I mean, if we're releasing this Wednesday, yeah, yeah. it's gonna. That's crazy. It's so crazy, and, and I'm so excited for it because again, meeting people in person is so different than meeting them via Instagram DMs. Yeah, I don't mind having those conversations in the DMs, but it is different. so different when it's in person. So me and Zena were thinking about this. I mean, it took us a while because you guys, we're new to all this. This is not something that I'm like, yeah, let's like plan ten thousand. I'm not an event planner. I have all these like Pinterest boards, sure, but like when it comes to actual doing things like I'm just not an event planner I realize that yeah I, I suck <laughs> like, at this I'm like stressing over everything but it is stressful you guys it like, is it's really really stressful I don't know how people can go into the wedding event planner business. honestly Dunya you have I think you have a future career in like event planning no, like I said I'm dying on the inside <laughs> and I can't deal with this anymore it's so stressful but you guys I'm really excited I'm so glad you brought up the whole event mm-hmm. because it is happening you guys March 14th and I think the point where we really got excited is when the tickets got sold out I was like people actually want to come and that's so nice and I don't want to take any credit for that because obviously who's our special guest but she's incredible she's so incredible the the lecture and the the conversation that she's going to share with everybody is going to be really amazing it's and it's just at a perfect time because we are in transitioning into the spring season so we're talking about renewal and removing all this negative thoughts from our minds and just any negative aura out of us and i think this is like the perfect time to do it starting fresh at the start or like middle of march like why not we're gonna have a barista on site you know i have to bring a barista i hope like i don't bite myself in the ass and the barista actually shows up because that would suck if she doesn't but we're gonna have a barista on site we're gonna have some amazing good food from oh, Maha, yes. from sugar Maha catering but i mean and also to all the sponsors of yes. the event kiki she's gonna be capturing the whole event shout out to her because she's she's so amazing she really wants to support us and then noor from crafts by noor you guys i can go on and on but she's also incredible she's like providing the d- decor for us i think it's our this event is an accurate representation of what this podcast is because it's just a bunch of women coming together to help each other out to create some thing incredible inshallah. i want to shout out the guys from from we're the peace and yes. Pally apparel because we also have guys who are allies that want to also help us and incredible that's awesome yeah there we've listed all of our sponsors um for the raffle prices for the goodie bags in our posts please you guys support them because they're supporting yeah, us of course. and they're not only supporting us but they're supporting their community but i'm excited for this event i'm Me really too. really excited it's gonna be nice and it's gonna be during the day you know what i mean because obviously i feel like we're like old ladies now i can't even stay up i get tired by nine yeah but i force myself to stay oh away. no lately i just just been giving in just yeah let the old age 
wash upon me i'm i'm all for going to sleep at nine i'm just trying to think like <laughs> this whole year went by like a blur like it it's really did. hard for it to sink in that we've created something like this here's like we've surpassed 120,000 downloads like that's a big deal you it guys is a big for deal. such a niche type of podcast we're only focusing on like the women of our community not all the time do we have muslim women but at the same time we do want to focus on muslim women and what we go through it's just i don't know it's it's surreal to me yeah and i think uh like you said, focusing on women in our community because oftentimes we don't get the focus and the attention that we need. So we have to kind of put the spotlight on ourselves sometimes. And I think this is the perfect episode since International Women's Day is March 8th. We're yes. releasing this on Wednesday. And we wanted to signify um, International Women's Day. We want to signify our one-year anniversary with our special guest, um, who is none other than Hasna Eliakubi. We thought she would be perfect for this, especially the topics that we discussed and everything like that. But if you guys don't know her, she's going to briefly introduce herself in the episode, but I thought I would just get a little head start. She was born and raised in Northern Virginia to an American Muslim mother and an Arab Muslim father. And she's always been in a unique position where she straddled both identities with great pride. But this is why she became the woman that she is this is why she's the founder of pfh which is an amazing convention and i love how she just wants to empower muslim women specifically and showcase how we can all come together and help one another she's also a fifth year phd candidate at uc riverside and she's studying religious studies which is incredible specifically women in islam so this episode is a really special one we talk about everything and anything from just balancing motherhood to the many identities she has to how can we support one another to what do we do about this whole influencer world that's kind of gone out of hand sometimes oh yeah yeah but before we dive into today's episode we're going to talk to lisa vogel you guys remember her from episode two season one um she has an incredible initiative that she's starting and i want to hear more about it inshallah let's do it This is a full circle moment because we have Lisa Vogel on right now, who is somebody that trusted us from the very beginning. You are our <laughs> second guest on our podcast. And here we are one year later to discuss something that Verona is now a part of. And it's an amazing initiative. And we want you to take it away, Lisa. First of all, I just want to know how you're doing. If you can give us like an up to date where you are, where Verona is, and then we can just talk about the whole initiative. I mean, doing amazing. Like we're doing so much with Verona. I've been like, so busy. I've been in a move. I've been traveling all over. So life is as crazy as ever. I was just in like Abu Dhabi and I'm going to South Africa in three weeks. So oh my gosh. <laughs> that's awesome though. And because I have kids, you know, I have to like go and come back. So I'm like on the plane, like longer than I'm actually at the destination. Yeah. But <laughs> that's, so funny. <laughs> that's awesome. And now Verona is going to be a part of this amazing initiative. And I think that we definitely want to showcase it for this episode because it is International Women's Day. And I think this initiative is focused on helping women from various communities, but not only that, but different countries like this is worldwide, which is so incredible. So if you want to just take it away and talk about it. So the idea has been in the works for honestly, like three to four years and it was over a coffee meeting with like one of my friends who's a director at Penny Appeal and we argue as to whose idea it was I'm gonna take the credit I think it was my <laughs> idea <laughs> why not 
That's awesome. But like, we were like, how can we work together and do good with charity, right? Because Verona is a brand that we are just striving to be better and better and do good with, with our initiatives. So it's like, we don't want to just be a brand that's about empowering women through, you know, their identity and being proud of their identity. And, you know, we want to be a brand that is like, truly empowering women in more ways than just being proud of who they are. And so that's why this collaboration is so amazing. So the project is called Hijabs for Humanity. And we have partnered with Penny Appeal, which is like an amazing organization. They do work all over the world. And what this is, is we release an exclusive hijab line where it's not 10% of the proceeds, it's 100% of the profits go directly to helping women. And it is like the definition of women's empowerment. We are helping women by giving them money to launch their own business and become self-sustainable. And so that's like basically the definition of empowering another woman. So yes, it's great to do charity work to help people on the spot, maybe you know, if they're in need of food or water, right? That's amazing. But with this type of charity, it gets them on their own feet and as they become self-sustainable. Yeah, so it's not just a one-time thing. It's something that inshallah will last them years, correct? Lasts a lifetime, hopefully. Inshallah, yeah. So, so what exactly are you guys providing them? So the funds are going to go to, there's five countries that Penny Appeal has selected and they select it based on need. It's going to be going to women in Palestine, Pakistan, Uganda, Kenya, and Brazil. And each one, uh, it's funded a little bit differently. So for Brazil, it's actually giving them money to start their own business and get on their own feet. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a particular business or it's whatever they specialize in. Um, For Palestine, Pakistan, they're giving them rooftop gardens. And so it actually helps them to feed their family and then sell the crops in the market. And so it becomes a sustainable business for them. That's incredible. Now I'm wondering, like, how can we help? Like, this is an an amazing initiative. I also love the name Hijabs for uh, Humanity. I absolutely love that idea behind it. And I like that you guys are extending a way to, yes, let's go beyond just that one-time donation. How can we really help these people and allow them to just, you know, be on their own feet and do their own things and provide for their own selves? But I think that it's also a way to empower them because you you don't want to just empower somebody through their identity. You want them to also feel self-empowered. I think that's something we also want to start focusing on is how to be more self-empowered instead of just empowering one another. So on our end, how can Zaina and I, somebody that, you know, we want to help, we want to donate, what can we do to help you with this initiative? First and foremost, it's purchase a hijab because the money is going directly to helping women. So that's the most important thing. And it's uh, sold on Verona. It's verona-collection.com. Another thing is, is that, you know, obviously spread the word, share the story that this is going on. Like after you purchase tell a friend to purchase. You know, we we really want this to be just doing so much good work and we want this the message to spread. Another thing is I will be with Penny Appeal um, on a South Africa. I mentioned I'm going to South Africa. It's actually for Penny Appeal and I'm going to be doing a big campaign in Ramadan. So if someone just wants to donate, that's a, the best time to do it. So, you know, people can donate during Ramadan and our campaign. 
I love that you are doing this. And I honestly love Penny Appeal because they're somebody that I recently worked with as well. And I like that they do want to help sustain these communities, help these women and empower them in that way. And I think for you and I, Zayn, I think what a good idea would be is to just host a giveaway. But this isn't just like any other giveaway. I think what a great way to do it is to just create this domino effect. Like for us to donate and help you out, we would purchase the hijabs and we would start a giveaway. And I think if somebody else wants to do the same thing, you don't have to have a platform. You yourself are is a platform. I feel like sometimes we often forget that, you know, you have to have a huge following to help in any no, way. not at all. We forget that not our own, all. yeah, our own voices are a platform in itself. You can be somebody who just only has family and friends following you and it's a small group. Why not make it a creative way of donating and giving back by hosting a giveaway on your own page too? You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. And I'm taking a look at the 10 hijabs right now and they are stunning, Michelle. I mean, all of your stuff is always beautiful, but these 10 hijabs are, honestly, I want to buy them all 10 for myself. Yeah, they're, they really are beautiful, mashallah. And another thing is, it's like, you don't have to be a hijabi or a Muslim no. to buy these, right? So it's like, I had a, I posted it just on my personal Facebook last night and uh, a guy I went to high school with, not Muslim, Christian, white guy was like, I want to purchase these, but who do I give them to? You know what I mean? And then he's literally wanting to support the project. And he was like, tell me where I can send these. So it's like, you don't have to be Muslim or wear the hijab to support this. You can gift it to everybody. That's amazing. And it I do is. want to reiterate a hundred percent of the proceeds will be oh, going. The profits, oh, the, yeah. Yeah, we'll go profits, directly yeah, 100%. to. percent. It's not a 10% is going, 100% is going to funding, uh, you know, these programs. This is exciting. I really hope you take us on with you on the, on your journey to South Africa and show Please us everything. Because I think Ramadan is the perfect time and we're, we're so close to Ramadan, you guys. We're only like, what, two months, not even yeah. away from such a, like such a beautiful and holy month. So why not get a kickstart, get in the whole donation, charitable feeling and let's just help one another out. And I think Verona is just such an amazing company. You guys have always tried to give back to your community. And a lot of women do feel empowered because of the hijab and the, the products that you have sold to them and and it's just I think this is just a great way for us to all give back one way or another so I'm just incredibly just fortunate to know somebody like you Lisa who is doing something like oh, this oh you're so sweet and yeah. I just really, really hope well. yeah Thank you. I just really hope our listeners really just support you in one way. That was just one idea, just throw out there to do a giveaway. But why not just purchase it for your mom, your aunts, your sisters, your cousins? And then, you know, it's you're kind of rewarding yourself, too, by giving back to the yeah, community. And we're going to provide all the information again on how to purchase these hijabs and where this uh, where the money from the purchases will go to. We'll provide all that information. Did you want to leave uh, with anything else that, you know, just to push people to really do this? Because this is exciting. It's awesome. It's such an awesome initiative. It is. It's just like, you know, please support it. Also, like, you know, it, share the video that you find on Facebook about the program so people can learn about the program. You know, whatever you can do, the money is truly really helping women in need. So Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for always giving back. Honestly, I can't wait to see what other future projects you're working on. Inshallah. I just want to reiterate, like here's a year later, and this is incredible work you're doing. We had you on one year ago, just being in Macy's. And now look at you, you're going to just work with such an incredible campaign and give back to your community. This is what you're always doing. And it's and I just love to just connect with you yeah, a year later. And you're doing the same thing. Aww, still, Mashallah. Thank you so thank much, you Lisa. So much. Thank you. Love. Thanks, girl. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, let's dive into today's episode. Thank you, Hassan, for joining us today. We're so excited to get into all the amazing titles that you have under your belt, from an incredible mom to an inspirational entrepreneur and so much more in between. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Sure. I'm really excited to be here. So thank you for the opportunity. My name is Hassana Al-Yaqoubi. I am a fifth year PhD candidate at UC Riverside. I study religious studies. My focus is contemporary Islam. I look at women in Islam specifically and identity and body politics and issues that relate to that. I'm also the founder of PhD. which stands for Perfect for Her. This is an online platform that really promotes modest fashion. And then I also have under that my own uh, hijab line. And then I do the annual modest fashion conventions. And my favorite of all is that I'm a mom of my precious little boy, Bassam, and a soon-to-be uh, little girl coming soon, inshallah. Oh, oh mashallah. I, I love when these little truth bombs yes. come out. Like, this is so incredible. <laughs> mashallah, mashallah, Hassan. This is such a, it's it's so beautiful for you to share that with us. And it's incredible, you know, for you to be running such a full-time business and going to school and all these studies. And you became a mom for the first time recently. What fears did you have when you welcomed your child into this new world or even before welcoming him? Yeah, totally. I mean, the fears were real. And I'll tell you that when it came to my PhD program specifically, because of the amount of, it's such a rigorous and intense program, requires copious amounts of reading and dense material that you just really have to like dive into. I was so afraid of how am I going to ever read again? Honestly, I literally had the thought of how am I ever going to read again? I just imagined a baby always crawling and pulling at my leg and not being able to get to my my assignments. And then for PFH, I also had the fear of how on earth am I going to plan another PFH convention and invest the time to do both as a PhD student and the PFH convention, which literally is a year's production. And so time management was was such a fear that I had. And what I what I learned was that when you build up these ideas of, oh, how can I do this? And how, how am I ever going to have the time to do that? The fear of not doing it is what holds you back. Because ultimately, when you get into and you just dive into it and you roll up your sleeves and you are ready to kind of just make it happen, it will happen. If you have that mentality. So I had the mentality that I just got to make this happen. I'm going to roll with the punches. And I, I, I realized slowly, but surely it was happening. So I'm like, okay, good. So if those fears come back to me, which they do, they definitely do. I just tell myself again, Hey, look, we've been through this. Uh, and look, and look at the outcome. You know, you're now year five in the, in the program. I'm about to graduate next inshallah, year. Inshallah. This is our, we're working on our seventh annual PFH convention. And can I tell you something that I yes. didn't share with anyone yet? Since you guys like new kind of, uh, <laughs> Why not? (laughs) At the PFH convention last year, the fifth annual, well, last year's was the sixth annual, but at the fifth annual, I was pregnant with my son. I was like maybe 10 weeks pregnant, um, but I didn't announce yet. And I remember standing on the stage and in my mind thinking, how on earth am I going to do this next year with a child? Maybe I'm going to have to take a break for a year just to kind of get it together and all that. But I hope I don't have to. And subhanAllah, surely, but enough, I, I got through it. And I, I had a team of support from not just PFH team members that helped me, but also my immediate family, my, my husband, my in-laws, just a very supportive team, alhamdulillah. And of course, above anyone and anything and everything, it's God and asking God to really bless my time. That was one thing I, I realized that I, I wasn't asking for that became my most valued prayer is, oh, Allah, please put barakah in my time such that I feel that I'm very productive in my days. The days feel a little bit longer. Somehow the hours extended a little bit more. And I believe me, that is what happened. And subhanAllah, then the next year I'm standing on the stage and I had, you know, my, my, my son at the time, he, he was like seven months or something. And I didn't know it, but 
I, we were planning to have, uh, you know, uh, another uh, baby very soon. And I thought to myself, how am I going to do this with two <laughs> little ones next year? Oh my gosh. And subhanAllah, I found out a week later I was pregnant when I, when I said, when I thought that. Wow. Um, and so I didn't have those fears again. I just figured again, that voice of we've been through this and we're going to get through this. So our Dean teaches us to be optimistic. And my favorite, one of my favorite hadiths that really guides me is seek optimism and so shall you find. And so I really have found that just with that kind of mindset, it quells a lot of the um, fears that I have about the unknown yeah, and I, I completely agree because, you know, I've been married for three and a half years. And the reason that I haven't had kids yet is because those fears of not being able to proceed in my career, they're tranquilizing. Like, I don't want to give up that side of my life yet. But like, you know, time's ticking. My biological clock is ticking. Like, I don't have that much time. So it's comforting to know that, like, you can balance a crazy work schedule and still be an incredible mom. And like you said, it's not just you going through that change. It's your husband, it's your in-laws, it's your parents. It's You have this whole support system and it's comforting to know that like there are women out there such successful women out there that are doing it and doing it amazingly. And everybody has this different idea of like, can we have it all, but at the same time too? And you know, I think this is just a personal thing from person to person. It varies, honestly, because Hasna, you do, alhamdulillah, have it all in regards to having a family, but then also your career and you're also in school. And then you are able to do it all at the same time. But you know what I find really interesting is we've had this conversation before with other prior guests. And even just in general, you see this all the time online when people talking about can you balance all these amazing things as a woman but not nobody has ever mentioned the fact of like seeking Allah in all yes. of this and I think that's so that's so important and we, I think we often forget that we often forget to seek guidance from our own creator and it's beautiful that you made a dua and you felt like it actually gave you that help that push to be able to feel like I could do this this is possible and you know what's so interesting also I feel like these days, there are more women obtaining degrees, more women going to school, more women in the workforce, more women becoming more independent. And I think we want all of that. But then, yeah, we do have that fear is like, can I also have a family at the same time, too? So I, I think that was really interesting. Yeah, and I want to touch base on something that you posted on Instagram a few weeks ago about this uncomfortable situation you had in a work meeting where you had to bring your, your son into the work meeting with you and you didn't let it kind of get to you you still went on with the meeting even though he was crying you paused the meeting you're like hey I need to take care of him you didn't even address it and I think a lot of us would be especially me I feel like I would just be constantly apologizing constantly trying to like kind of make everyone around me comfortable can you talk about what happened and, and what you did and you're a first-time mom for her yes, to even do yes. it as a first-time mom that's incredible yeah, so I had a meeting. It was for the sixth annual PFH convention. I had a meeting with kind of the um, lead guy in terms of going through the whole kind of the rundown of how the event was going to go. And so it was a big meeting and I was so afraid because I knew that that day I, I had to bring my son and I wanted us to be as productive as possible. And I did not want to cancel because I had to just keep, I had to, to make the meeting happen. And so I said, okay, he's coming with me and I'm going to act like this is the norm. Um, I'm not going to apologize. I want them to know that because if there's anything we know, it's that until the end of human time, people are going to have babies. Children will be born. That's not going to change. So instead of me 
feeling bad that I have to bring my child with me and it's going to be, you know, not as perhaps productive as it could have been had I been alone. I want the environment to invite a, a, a mother who is in that position to feel comfortable to bring her child. And I'll tell you, um, one of my professors told me on campus, you're either going to be two types of women. One, the woman who's going to hide her pregnancy um, while she's doing the program because for fear of either not getting the job that she wants, because then the, uh, you know, the chair or the dean might think, oh, she's going to have children. She's not going to be as focused or she's going to have to take maternity leaves and she's going to have to, you know, either use a lot of resources from, from the, from the university university and just not be as efficient. So either you're going to hide your pregnancy for as long as possible, or you're going to be the professor that's going to have a playpen in her office. Like we nice. have someone in, in our political in our political science department um, who has a playpen in her office, which makes such a statement. And she's made such a name for herself. And when my professor told me this, I, I, I my choice was that I choose the latter. I want to create spaces where women can feel that they can ha- they can be, a, you know, an all time mom and also go after their jobs without feeling guilty or apologetic because we're always going to have kids that's not going to change. And so basically I I went in there and I I did not let them know that my son was coming, but I said, Hey, this is my, I introduced my son and we went around and I acted completely normal. I acted like this was how it should be. And then of course, side note, like my son is, and he's a really good baby, alhamdulillah. But Murphy's Law says that, of yeah. course, during that meeting, he's going to get fidgety and he's going to cry and God knows what. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't also want to make them feel like they're doing me a favor by um, kind of like just being kind to me. Do you know Absolutely, what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. So I didn't say sorry. Um, I said, one second, let me just get his little toy. And literally, as we are going through our meeting, I'll be looking at my son and say, mommies. yeah, so what we want to do is over here, we <laughs> really want to make that. sure that, literally as I'm talking to the owner of this venue. That's amazing. And then there was a time where, okay, my little sweet nothings wasn't working anymore for my son and he needed a bottle. So then I said, okay, just one minute, please. I'm going to make a bottle for my son. I made the bottle. And then I didn't, I didn't want to say, I'm sorry that he's taking, so so, this is taking so much time, but I did want to show him that I appreciated the fact that him and his assistant were just sitting there and and, and watching, meaning not really you know, making me feel any worse. So I said, I appreciate your patience. I did say that, that comment. And they're like, Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. It was then when I felt that, yes, I did the right thing by bringing him. I absolutely did the right thing. And so then I gave him his bottle. And then after we got up, we had to do a a, a walk around the entire convention center. And I had my son in my arms and I'm like kissing on him and loving on him as I am going about this meeting. And I really felt that I was setting an example for other women that we're working in at that venue. And then also just being able to share the story and say, wow, I got through that. And look, it wasn't bad. You know, it changed my mentality to not be apologetic. We do not need to be apologetic. Sometimes women don't even notice it, but even when they're saying nice things like, I'm sorry, but you're beautiful. Why are you saying I'm sorry? Why is I'm sorry always kind of just coming out so naturally? It's at the tip of our tongue all the time. Yes, it is. And it's something that I really want to get because it's, it really has to do with power dynamics. You know, a lot of times we feel that we don't belong in certain positions that we do. You know, we have to create those spaces. I can share a very brief story also just to show you kind of, I realized how this country is really not friendly toward mothers. 
And that's why I really want to get into motherhood advocacy. I noticed that while I was I was flying with my son, like traveling, because you know I'm fr- I'm from the East Coast, I'm from Northern Virginia. I realized that whatever my son is, whenever I'm traveling with him, my seat just so happens to be the second to last row in the airplane. Mm. And and then I re- I'm one of I'm one of eight siblings, so I I then realized wow, growing up we always sat second to last seats rows in the in the end of the plane. And I'm like, oh, wow. I look to my left. I look to my right. And I'm, I'm like, wow, I'm surrounded by moms with little kids. And I realized that this was strategic. That, And I'm sure it's to make them as far from first class as possible so as to not to disturb the first class, you know. And here's the problem with that, that if you're going to us, force us to sit in the back of the airplane, by the time you bring out the cart with food, you're going to start all the way at the front. By the time you come to me, there's not going to be any food left for my son or nor myself. And what's going to happen? So I literally told the stewardess, I said, could you please serve my son and I first? And she said, no, I'm sorry. I have to go on the order. I have to start from the top. I'm like, but by the time you come to me, there's not going to be any food that he can eat. And I don't, I don't think the rest of the plane wants to deal with a cranky ba- a baby. And she knew that what I was saying was right. And she was like, okay, I'll see what I can do. And Alhamdulillah, she went and got like a hamburger or whatever for us and, and gave it to me. And I knew that I was setting an example by by ask, telling her that and letting people hear what I'm saying, because that should not be the case. So we have to use our voices to speak up against these things, because I do believe the more we vocalize it, the more we talk about it, the more that we can change it. Absolutely. How do you, you don't want to raise your child in an environment where he or she are are made to believe that they're a burden, especially on a plane. And honestly, that's very eye-opening, Hassan. I I, never realized that, but now that I'm thinking it, it's so true. They are always, they always see the kids and the mothers in the back as if they're such a burden to be on an airplane with and everything. And I think we also need to be a little bit more kinder to the mothers on the airplane dealing with their kids. If they're cranky or not, there's only so much you can do to please a child. And you know what I mean? I think we need to lend a helping hand rather than lend our horrible stares like you don't like oh can't you take care of your child like why is he yeah. crying he's making this uh, so unbearable for me yeah and it wasn't until my brother had his daughter that I did feel for parents traveling with a kid because it's not easy and I that's when I started to realize like when I do hear a baby cry I'm not like scoffing I'm not like looking at them giving them you know a dirty look I'm like really understanding and like I just truly feel bad for them and I love what you're doing I love that you're using your voice and you're setting a precedent for all all the new moms and and moms to be and I think you're making it easier for the generations to come it does start with one person one person yeah because honestly Hasna with even these two short stories of yours it really opened up my eyes because just like you Zaina like I fear like yeah when I get I always had the fear when I get married oh my god my life is completely going to change because now I have a kid and there's only so much I can do when I have a child I feel like I would have to sacrifice sometimes you know some people do have to sacrifice some things not everybody's able to do it all but I think it's incredible that you are providing an example to other mothers that it's actually possible to do it all at your own accord and not having to apologize and I think that's a big deal we've also had an episode about just women in general apologizing for everything like Mm -hmm. we apologize for things that are not even meant to be you know there's it doesn't even make sense to say sorry just like you said when you're complimenting somebody why are you apologizing first or when you're accidentally about to bump in, t- in the hallway with your coworker, as a woman you right away have, feel like you have to say sorry yeah so i i hope the the mothers or the new mothers or the soon-to-be mothers uh, listening to this episode can feel the sense of just like ease now knowing that you don't have to apologize 
for being a new mother. You don't have to apologize on behalf of a child, your child specifically. But I also think, I don't know, I want your thoughts on this. Do you guys feel that sometimes like us women have to pretend to to do certain things just so we don't look weak or we don't feel like we're a failure? Like we kind of feel like we have to stretch ourselves thin to show the world that we can do it all. What are your thoughts on this, you guys? I agree. I mean, I, for me, it's like I get that I'm constantly on. Like, I don't want people to see my weaknesses. Like, I want to, like, I can come home and be a wife and cook and clean, but I can also go to work nine to five, Monday through Friday, and still put on a perfect show and be the perfect wife. So, it, I never want to let my guards down in any aspect of my life. Yeah. How about you? You know, I find that we are living in an era where raw and unrehearsed is really resonating with people. And so when you have this projection that you have it all and things are great and all of that, people know that that's not the case. And so I find that when you just share some of your vulnerabilities, especially when you're in a position of power, it makes everybody else feel like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. If she in that position is going through that, then I mean, wow, I'm not the only one suffering with you know, trying to manage both my, my, my professional and my personal life or what have you. And so I find that the more that I open up with people and I find, cause I, I think a lot about things that I, I'm not pleased with the way that they are structured. So like, for example, the motherhood in this country is the way that they're treated is really bothering me. So I find that the more I talk about it or talk about, you know, my experiences, the more it opens up a platform for others to be like, you know what? I too feel the same way. I'm tired of trying to have to do this and do that. And I'll give you in my, in my PhD program, it's an environment where you are gunning for a top tenured position, which is a full-time teaching position, which means you're working full-time. And if you even, you know, vocalize the fact that you don't want that job and you just want to teach part-time, sometimes even your advisor will kind of tell you, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I won't, I'm not going to graduate because advisors, it's their job to graduate PhDs, like students who are doing their PhDs. They don't want to sign off on a student who doesn't want to be a full-time professor. I find that even in spaces like that, where it's so uh, risky to vocalize the fact that I want to be with my children. Yes, I'm doing a PhD program and I'm doing this and I'm doing PFH and I'm doing all that. I'm doing all this so that I can be a stay-at-home mom with my with my children, and I I really want to um, get rid of the stigma of the stay-at-home mom, because that is the most incredible, most difficult, most rewarding job that there will ever be. And so uh, I vocalize this a lot that hey, I'm not looking for the full-time position, and I just find that my 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 colleagues are like in a, in a gape the fact that I even say that out loud, and then they are really kind of just comforted by the fact like you know, I honestly, I wanted a different path too, meaning that I also would love to have a family and I, I want to, you know, have a work-life balance. And I just look at my mom as my role model. My mom is a, both my parents are PhDs in political science. And Inshallah. my mom, as I mentioned, I'm one of eight kids. And growing up, my mom was always a part-time professor. She would teach one course here and there, nighttime course. She never missed a beat with us. And I never like really even felt that she was working because, you know, working in academia is so conducive to being a mom when you're able to do it like part-time and whatever. Um, because when we had off, she had off, we're on the same schedule. 
And so I was like, wow, like she was so present. And then she has this job where she goes to the university and she's intellectually stimulated and engaging and changing people's minds and, 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 re- and really pushing the envelope on a lot of, um, important, uh, topics. And I'm like, that's what I want to, I want to do. I want to be able to do that. And so that was one of the main reasons why I worked so hard on P on the PFH as well was because I wanted to be able to manage it from home such that it would be like a, a side hustle for me, a side gig so that I can be present with my children children as present as, as possible. And can we also mention the fact that even, you know, you had your doubts and fears about having a child and running this PFH convention, but the fact that you had your child and you had your sixth annual PFH convention, can we talk about how many people showed up and not how amazing and incredible at, at the turnout ended up being because of the yeah, you know, my, my goal always every year is bigger and better. That's that's kind of like what we hope to do. And alhamdulillah, that is what happened. We were able to, and sometimes I always think to myself, every year actually I tell myself, there's no way it can get bigger than this. No, no, I can't imagine it getting bigger than this. And then subhanAllah it does. And so we had uh, last year almost a thousand women coming from, what's amazing is that these women are no longer coming from, from just California. They come from around the world. We had women coming from Dubai, one of our speakers who gave a, a work shop actually came from Dubai and we have women coming from the East coast, the Midwest. And, and we know what was crazy is that during the fashion show, I, I heard this one line from a lot of different people. They said, I couldn't help but cry during the fashion show. And I'm like, why? Why are you crying during the fashion show? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. And you even can see it if you watch the highlight video from last year's convention. And when I asked these women, what were what was inspiring the tears? And they said, it was so powerful to be in a room of all Muslim women, to see their work come to life on that runway stage and to be able to support them and to know that this is my community. And I don't even know these women, meaning like they're thinking like, I don't really know many of the people in this room, maybe, but this is my community and I'm here to support them. Like it was a profound moment. And I was like, wow, I absolutely felt that as well. So it's this theme of empowerment and this theme of support is always prevalent um, within the PFH convention. And I had a, someone tell me, she's actually now a dear friend of mine. She was like, you know, I, I came to the convention two years ago and I just walked away so inspired that I told myself, I need to start something. I don't know what it is. I'm going to start something. And subhanAllah, she started one of the most unique companies out there. She saw that, you know, like high tea experiences are, are very popular. You know, yes. you go to a hotel, they put you pay for a high tea. Guilty. She was like, yes. I haven't seen, yeah, right. She was like, I haven't seen that done in the Muslim community. And so she was like, I want to be able to do this and do it in private homes where you call up her company, no matter what theme you have, it's a baby shower, bridal shower, or just because, or just an anniversary or what have you, she will host and cater this exquisite high tea experience in the private of your own home. And I was like, oh my God, look at you. You didn't even know what you were going to start. And then you came up with, I mean, it's hard to be in a space where there are not many competitors. I don't know any, I don't know of anyone in that space, like bringing high tea experiences to your home. And so it's um, a tea affair on Instagram. Her name is Myra. And I've experienced a few of her high teas now. So we had a high tea experience at the convention and people loved it for the VIP members. And then we then hired her for like some like a private events uh, and stuff. So it just makes me so happy to support these women, to see the projects that they're working on and then to see their ideas turn to fruition and to be able to provide that platform for them. 
and all it is is just attending these events and coming together as a community rather than us being so just against each other this is amazing how we can honestly inspire one another and I think sometimes we just paralyze our own selves with these fears and even you said it yourself Hassan like sometimes you just think in your mind it's these unconscious thoughts that kind of come to the forefront that's like paralyze you and give you self-doubt and all this stuff but honestly I think in whatever you do if you allow it to be done with pure intentions well it will come to life and it will come out tenfold and amazing incredible we're going to talk a lot more about your pfh convention just in case anybody doesn't know it is a beautiful convention that you host each year mashallah and you bring all the community of muslim women together to showcase their talents showcase their what they're doing and everything and it's just it's a nice way to connect with one another and i think we don't have that we think we connect we're going to talk about social media right now actually because i feel like we allow ourselves to think we're connected in a way because of social media but i don't think we're truly connected i think there's still that barrier it's that screen in front of your face is not the same as an actual face-to-face interaction of being in a room yeah Yeah. look at what hasada's convention was able to do you brought women together where you even inspired some women to start their own business i don't think that can be kind of done when you're just scrolling mindlessly on social media sometimes i think we compare one another compare ourselves to others on social media rather than if you're physically there and you attend these events and that's why i think we were vocal about going to events supporting your community and if you see a flyer for an event for i don't know somebody from your community just attend honestly attend go and see and you will always walk away inspired but to talk about social media i feel like there's also that there's a lot of influencers on social media and there's a sea of influencers and it's it's hard sometimes to know who to follow and who not to follow who's somebody that's going to inspire you and who's not going to inspire you what are your thoughts Hasana on social media and what we should filter out when it comes to us, you know, just finding influencers and finding influencers. Yeah, this is a great question because actually the theme of the PFH convention last year was called redefining influence from impact to intention. And the reason why I, I chose that theme was because I am really, I would say, disappointed and uninspired by a lot of the content that I'm seeing on Instagram. I feel like it's so oversaturated with a bunch of nonsense. People that are influencers that are just trying to keep up with the content game, posting whatever it is to get the likes and the comments and all of that, things that are just so insignificant. And they don't realize that our young Muslim women, Muslim girls, are watching them, emulating the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they act. And they've lost all accountability and responsibility. If you have a public account and you are calling yourself an influencer, that holds a heavy, heavy title. And you need to you need to have a, a, a sense of accountability. And this whole thing of, I always see uh, on Instagram people saying like, oh yeah, don't judge me and this and that and what have you. But when you're a public account, you're putting things out there to engage the public. And so I was actually very vocal about this last year, about how I'm, I'm really worried about the younger generation because these are their role models. I really wanted us to elevate our standards for when it came to the content that we consume. Um, and so my message was, let your likes and your comments and your follows be worth something. Don't just go and like something because it said, oh, your friend liked it too. No, read the caption, look at the photo. Do you agree? Does your heart and your mind and your soul agree with what you are watching and what you're consuming right now? Because if it doesn't, do not be afraid to unfollow. Do not be afraid to unlike or just keep scrolling. I feel that it's such a like 
sheep herd mentality where, oh, this person liked it, so I'm going to like it too to show that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in with this crowd or what have you. No, no. You don't, you don't know the impact of what you're saying and what you're liking is doing on your followers, on your, your communities. And so I want us to be more responsible, not just as influencers, but as consumers of social media on what we're liking and, and, and all of that. I completely agree with you because I think recently people are becoming very vocal just the way you are, Hasna. I don't think you're alone on this. And honestly, we just recently posted something about the fact that we feel like these days you're judged by how many follows you have. If you're somebody that has a million followers, then you're somebody that's important. You're somebody that I should, you know, associate myself with, even if I don't agree with your lifestyle, but I have to associate myself with you because you're somebody of importance in today's world. And then there are people that are doing so much for our community, so many amazing things for our community, but they're not as active on social media. And we describe credit these people we don't you know appreciate them we don't appreciate who they are we don't want to like um, associate with them or anything like that or connect with them because we don't feel like they are of a benefit to us if they don't have the certain amount of followers and then there was another girl her name is Sada Bawani she's an incredible woman she was on our um, podcast as well she's a mental health therapist she brought up the notion of um, unfollowing and she's like why are we so scared to just unfollow somebody why is it such a big deal if somebody is not bringing benefit to your life your values don't align why is it so hard for us to hit the unfollow button I think we're also very scared to have a difference on opinions with certain things and I think and I agree with you Hassan when you see everybody liking a certain picture and commenting on a girl's picture and everybody all the influencers commenting on this girl's picture but you're looking you're like I don't agree with what she just wrote but everybody else is like just appreciating her and telling her thank you for being so brave and all that stuff but we're so scared to be just the person that says you know what? I don't think that's the way you define bravery yeah. and you don't have to comment anything negative but not liking and not following I think says enough how do you think Hassan is the best way for us to filter this out I think sometimes we just go with emotions and we just sign on Instagram where we just scroll and scroll and scroll I when like how can we actively finally just decide to take action and be like I don't agree with what she's writing I don't agree with what he's writing or who he is or what she is doing let me unfollow like why is it so hard for us to take that next step to just hit that unfollow button I think that we're afraid to be different but we're living in a day and age where different is the new normal right? We are now celebrating difference. We don't want to be the same. And uh, it's, it's really empowering to be able, I'll never forget this. And I'll share this with you. I was vocal about this on my Instagram a couple of years ago. And it's actually the reason why I changed the whole trajectory of my Instagram. When I went to New York fashion week, it was like two years ago, three years ago, maybe. And I was so disappointed in the Muslim influencer scene there. I couldn't believe the level of backbiting. I couldn't believe the level of just fakeness. And I get it. Every industry has that. But I had friends who were non-Muslim and that were there. And I asked them, I'm like, is this happening with your, like in, in your circles? And she was like, no. And I, it was so saddening and disheartening to see these women like take pictures with each other and tag each other only to literally go to lunch with the other and talk bad about that person. And I'm like, I am not here for this. And I remember I sat with God the first, the first night I arrived at New York Fashion Week and I went to, to one of the shows. It was eating me in my stomach seeing this happen because I could just see people playing with each other's emotions and the fakeness. It was almost tangible. 
And this was actually my biggest, the, the, the main reservation I had of even getting into the fashion industry. There's a level of frivolity that comes with fashion that I didn't want to be associated with. But I felt like, no, I can go in there and be someone who's different and show them that, no, I can still care about how I dress and how I look without being frivolous and mindless and still be God-fearing and still be um, care about things that uh, are meaningful in life. And I remember I sat with God that night and I said, Ya Allah, I did not come here to engage in this and, and nor will I. And I said, please just continue to keep my intentions pure and open the path for me in the way that you always do um, and protect me. And that is precisely what God did. I was invited to the top shows, sitting in the, the front rows. And you're talking about, you know, follower counts and all of that. At the time I had like, what, 16,000 followers. But I was sitting next to people who had millions of followers you, and, wow. and sitting in seats where were very coveted seats. Like you had to really either be some huge Instagram big shot to be invited to these places. And people were wondering, how did she get to meet that person? And why does she get to sit front row? And I'm in the nosebleed seats when I have so many more followers than her. This whole just and I, I was and I, I was just so disheartened to see that this is what exists. Like we talk about support and we talk about, you know, genuinely, um, helping each other and being there for each other, but we never put our money where the, our mouth is. And so that was when I realized when you see everyone going to the right, being the only one walking to the left is a tough thing. But my God, when you do it for something that is purposeful, when you do it, especially for something that will maintain your values, God will always elevate you in that pathway. And so I found that that was exactly what happened to me. So I came back to California and I said, I am no longer going to, because I used to post outfits of the day every day, like all the time and, mm -hmm. you know, take and 10 hours just to get that one shot of my outfit. And by the way, between you and me and the rest of the, your, the followers yeah. of this podcast, I hate modeling. So no matter how good I look in a, a shot, I hated getting that shot. But Michelle, okay. you're so beautiful. You are, oh, Michelle. Seriously, it's so, it's incredible. It's crazy to hear this coming from you, but Michelle, yeah, you're Michelle. so beautiful. Oh, my God. Uh, my favorite type of photos are the staged, candid ones. Like, take a photo of me as I interact with my friend. Do you know I see I that all the time. I'm like, but I'm like, how do they even like do it so well i like you know it's it's not really candid but i'm like it's still like they it's almost yeah. borderline real i'm like how do they do that it's crazy <laughs> so i was like i'm 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 so over this and because i couldn't look to the the muslim the muslim influencer scene and see people who were able to still have a good following and they're making moves and they're and they're clearly you know doing well for themselves uh, in terms of making a name for their brand or whatever it was and still maintaining their values and still you know being god conscious and all of that i said i'm changing the trajectory here i'm no longer going to make it about my outfit of the day and my instagram and pfh's sole purpose is going to be in support of female muslim entrepreneurship and female muslim empowerment because like you guys, both of you said, the likes, the comments, the followers, it, it seems like there's a trend. The more popular you get, the more you are either acting in ways that are not true to your authentic self. And so I was afraid to fall into that trap. And I said, I got to protect myself here because I see it happening to everyone around me. Um, and, and I shifted the entire trajectory of PFH. You know, Hasana, I was a fan of yours before we started recording, but honestly, I'm falling in love with you the more that we get into this conversation. <laughs> I swear to God, to no, well, because <laughs> like you have such pure intentions and it's so nice to know that we have women in these fields that have those pure intentions. And I want to point out that 
you can't take your followers to the grave with you. It's you're taking your values, you're taking those intentions, you're taking all the good actions that you had and you, you did during your lifetime and your likes and your comments and your followers are not going to mean anything to you on the day of judgment. And I think that's something that we have to kind of ingrain in the heads of our younger generation. And I think that's why, Michelle, our our religion is so beautiful and it's so timeless. And it seems silly to compare these two, but it's like our prophet, peace be upon him, like went through this where he had to be the person, even though everybody was on the right, he went to the left, you know what I mean? And he was the only one standing alone. And I think it's so interesting that I feel like this kind of still like happens to this day that we can do this to this day that it's, it's like you see all these people and you see the way they're acting and you see they're acting a certain way because of social media but you your heart is not settled it's very unsettled actually that to see all this and you know it's not right and you know you you don't feel comfortable but it, it's almost like it's hard you feel paralyzed because you don't want to be the outsider but if you want to stay true to your dean to your purpose and why you are living this dunya and what your purpose is in living this dunya you have to do that you that's have to be point. that outsider and yeah. that that's what our prophet was he was peace be upon him the, the outsider yeah and, and something that you mentioned earlier has was the fact that people are constantly posting just to stay on top. You know, they want to fight the algorithm. And that kind of leads to overposting, oversharing. And this is something right now that I'm constantly getting annoyed from because I feel like people don't keep their their things value to them anymore. You know, I have some sacred things that I never post on social media. And I feel like those are the things that I just find sacred to myself that I don't need to broadcast to my you know, I don't have that many followers, but like, I don't need to broadcast them because those are the things that I want to protect. And we recently asked our supporters on social media, like, what are your thoughts about oversharing? And we had a wide range of like, you know, responses from them. There's some people that say, yes, oversharing is too much. You should hold on to your private life. It's just, it's getting too much where I know every single detail about somebody's like marriage. And it's like, yeah, why do I know everything about your marriage? It's very uncomfortable to, you know, consume that. And then there are people that say, you know, it's that person's social media page page and to each their own and if that's what they want to share that's what they want to share so it's it's hard because there's like yeah there's some people that think that oversharing is, it exists and it shouldn't happen and there's some people that say well that's their page but I feel like as consumers it has a lot of a it has a bad effect on us and I think I almost had a mental breakdown because of social media Hassan I felt like we were each we have our own personal page Zaina and then we have the podcast page and I was like oh my god there's just so much that we're consuming from both ends of these Instagram pages I couldn't handle it anymore it's it's you go from one like a picture that somebody's celebrating their birthday then you go to somebody celebrating their wedding then somebody that just got a job and then somebody that's going through something within these matter of seconds you're going through all of these emotions at once and it's it's hard to to handle that how do we not consume so much and then is there a limit to, is there such a thing as oversharing Hasana? do you agree with that i definitely agree with there being a limit, there is such a thing as oversharing. I will tell you, no matter you have a public, private, whatever type of account, at the end of the day, you have values to uphold, right? If, if if your audience is generally, you know, we're talking about American Muslim women here, I really feel like as a community, we're losing our haya. Like, well, lie, this sense of modesty and not just in the, the, the physical, uh, you know, bodily sense, but also in the way that we are conducting ourselves and speaking exactly. and interacting with our spouses and showing things that are shouldn't shouldn't be. It's great to show that you have a loving relationship with your spouse, but, you know, doing certain things that just depict kind of relationships in a way that really strips us of our haya. Haya is one of the most beautiful traits that this deen embodies. And I just feel like the more that you overshare, the more where you just lose your boundaries. 
And then the, the, the lines between what's appropriate and inappropriate are just are blurred. And that's why I don't focus on likes. I don't focus on comments and I don't focus on followers. And I want to share a story with you. I must say this because I've always been saying this and I've had Allahumma lak alhamdulillah very grateful to God for all of the generosity that he has shown me and the opportunities that he has opened up for me as a result of PFH. Anytime I get featured in a major news agency or anytime for example, Instagram chose me as their lead representative for the, like the fashion category. They, they did an advertisement campaign for five different categories, like fashion, food, like lifestyle, travel, etc. And for each one of them, they chose one representative. And for the fashion category, they chose me. And I couldn't Mashallah. believe it because I was like, there are so many more people who are more qualified than me in this category. There are so many more people who have, I, at the time, I think I had 12,000 followers. Okay. And so I, I literally asked them, they flew out here. They paid me for this opportunity. Like it was unbelievable. And I was like, I just want to know, like, why did you choose me? And I'm sharing the story for your followers, your listeners, so that they can, un they can know that you don't have to sell your soul to make it to the top. You have to put purpose above people. Don't even worry about the followers because if you have a strong purpose, then believe me, people are going to fall in love with that. And no matter what the follower count, you're going to get recognized for your work. And so I asked Instagram, why did, why did you guys choose me? And they told me it's because you showed that you had such a dynamic account. You talk about fashion, but then you also talk about your faith a lot. And then you also are a PhD student. And then, you know, you, you, you grapple with this and that. And so it was the dynamism that we really went after. And then I will say, they said it was the quality of your content from an editorial perspective, but then also from the type of things that I was showing and all of that, that made me stand out. And that's when I remember when I first got featured in like the Huffington Post top 10 or top 15 Muslim bloggers to follow. I was the only one in that article that had barely any followers. Everyone else had hundreds of thousands. And I remember my brother told me, he was like, cause I had a feeling like, wow, did I even belong on this article? According, <laughs> if you, if you think about the follower yeah. count, my brother was like, that's because they're not looking at quantity. They're looking at quality. So always, always let quality supersede quantity. That's so interesting because honestly, like you almost forget that we used to live in a world where you did look at quality more so than quantity, but now we're just so just focused on somebody's follower accounts. It's like, how did we transition into this world? I feel like it happened so quickly. Like we went from there's no such thing as social media to now this is how you are known because of your follower accounts, if you're important or not. And that's what we said earlier. It's just that's how we gauge somebody's importance is by looking at their follower accounts. Well, I find myself guilty of that when I look up someone, when I look at it. I'm like oh how many followers do they have and I'm starting to focus less on numbers now I'll scroll through their profile I'll look at their pictures I'll read their captions is this something that I can you know uh, relate to I can feel with if it's not then it's not but I'm not focused on those numbers anymore yeah there was a time I look even if there were influencers that were amazing Hasanat, there was a time a point in my life where I chose not to follow any influencers I just did not want to I wanted to just follow the smaller accounts I wanted to follow people that I really truly knew that personally on a personal level because I never wanted to I think sometimes especially these days we really admire these influencers so much so that we follow in every one of their footsteps and then when they do something that we don't agree with it's almost you lose faith in your own religion in a way because you think I 
kind of want to, I don't want to bring up the hijab situation, but I kind of want to bring it up because I think I'm, I would never judge anybody on taking off the hijab. I personally don't wear one. And at times I understand if somebody is, is struggling with that. Everybody has their own struggles and you never know their own struggles. But I see the comments that people leave under these photos that the girls post when they take off their hijab. And some girls just feel like, well, now I don't even have faith in my religion anymore. And that breaks my heart. It's like, don't allow the creation of Allah to dictate how much you should believe in your own faith or not. And I think that's how da- how dangerous social media has become yeah. that we kind of just focus more so on Allah's creation and less on the religion the itself stand right. alone. I think that's scary. Have you noticed that too? Absolutely. And that's the, the main reason why I shifted my focus. God knows what happened along that way. And so that's why I keep thinking about how can I protect myself and protect my heart? And it's all really through protecting the type of media that you're consuming. I swear these things have an effect on how you feel. And and so that's why I'm, I'm calling for this idea of being more accountable with what we consume and, and, and what we like. And I want to just tell you, for the PFH convention, every year we invite influencers to come. And the last thing on my mind is how big of a following they have. I'm all throughout the year, my team and I, we are always scouting for influencers that really speak to our mission. Like a lot of other organizations are like this. They only go for the ones who have over 300,000 followers and God knows what. I mean, to also share a piece of information with you. If you follow Instagram or you've been on Instagram for a while, now more than ever, it is easier to grow a following quicker than ever. There are so many hacks out there. People are using them. You can go from a thousand to a hundred thousand in a day. I am not impressed with how many followers you have. And I equally am calling for the, the listeners to think twice when they put influencers on pedestals. Believe me, it's you doing that that feeds their ego, that allows them to continue just to kind of be in this self-absorbed type of warped reality. And it's really diminishing the quality of our Muslim influencers out there. But then you have somebody like Yasmin Mujahid who has millions of followers, but that's because what she says and what she exudes is so amazing that you do want to follow her, that you do want to listen to her truths. So it's not everybody. And I don't think Yasmin Mujahid would ever consider herself as an influencer. That's something that you would never put in the same sentence as her. But it's just be conscious of what this person posts like clearly you came across her page because of their millions of followers but be conscious do you truly want to follow this person because they are providing content that benefits your life or are you just following them because you feel like they might be interesting there has to be a reason why they have a million followers let me just subconsciously follow them so I think you really need to be aware and I think it's time to really talk about your amazing convention where did the idea come from I know you're hinting at it and you, you you know told us why and here and there but I want to know like where did this idea come from how did you think like this is what we needed our community needs needs a convention that brings all kinds of women from all walks of life together under one roof. Yeah. So about seven years ago, when I first moved to California, I really, I've always had in my heart a passion for fashion. I I really do love fashion. And I noticed that when I was in college, like the reason why I started PFH was because a lot of my friends would say, I love the way that you wear the hijab, but I could never put clothes together the way that you do. So it's just, it's not for me. And I was deeply bothered by the fact that they felt that they weren't able to kind of feel confident 
and, and, and wearing the hijab. And this is 2009. This is the time where you go to the mall. There's barely any options. Layering was our best friend. Yeah. Long sleeve shirts under dresses. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, God, don't remind <laughs> so me. So embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I, I never want to look at any picture from like 2000 to like 2012 yeah. at any wedding because it was horrendous. Like it was so bad. <laughs> Absolutely. And if there ever was a long sleeve dress at Nordstrom or something, you knew you, you know you were going to that wedding and 30 other women would be yes. in the exact same dress. Right? Yes. Exactly. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to call it Perfect for Hijabis. And I'm going to show the beauty of being modest. The biggest thing also I struggle with is finding that that dress, right, to go to a graduation party, a wedding or whatever. I'm like, I'm not finding what I want in the marketplace. Maybe I'll just start my own line. When I got married and moved to California, my husband was, was like, here you are. Like, you don't have any kids. This is the perfect time to go after this dream that you've had. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Let me, I'm going to do it. I put this whole business plan together and I, I studied the process of making designing your own line from, from A to Z. And I realized, I was like, you know what? I already have established myself as the person who knows how to get her hands on these modest dresses. Why don't I just make them available at a reasonable cost and see if they'll sell? Let me just see. Like I'll be a curator, essentially. I'll find these dresses and make those type of deals. And I said, I'll sell them by way of a small trunk show. So my first one was in actually Virginia. My sister-in-law opened up her home um, to me, which I'll never forget. Shout out to um, Amna. And I was like, I'm just, I just want to see if people will show up. And I had two other friends here in California that sold hijabs and like other things. I was like, give me some of your hijabs. I'll sell them there too. Let's see if people are interested. And the line was out for, and people were buying not one, not two, sometimes three, four, five dresses. That's how much of a need there was for this. And I was like, wow, this was, this was good. I'm going to go back to California and I'm going to scale it up. And I, I hosted, you know, a trunk show with more brands too. And then I'm like, wow, people are really like waiting and out the door for this. And I said, there's really a demand for this. So every year I kept saying, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this again next year and have new ideas for next year. And then we literally went from doing these trunk shows in people's, my friends' homes to becoming the largest modest fashion convention in the U S and I couldn't, I could never have fathomed that, my God, this is where we would be at this time. But I really believe it's because of the mission and the mission statement is truly dedicated to providing a platform for Muslim women to thrive, for minority women to thrive and to simultaneously allow us to renew our confidence in our religious identity, to let our daughters feel like, wow, like we have this event where we can come and kind of show off the fact that we're Muslim and we can, and for like-minded businesswomen, for them to meet other like-minded businesswomen and to network. Cause I realized we as small business owners are working from behind closed doors, 99% of the, the year. We need this uh, interaction. We need this FaceTime with each other. Um, we need to learn from each other and we need to connect. The more we connect, the more that we can collaborate, the more that we collaborate, the more that while we become a powerful force. So I really feel like the, the, the message really resonated. And that's why now it's, uh, people come from all over the world. I think this is incredible because I honestly, and I like that you mentioned the fact of how much work is being put into this. Like this is not something that happened overnight. And you even said it earlier in the episode that this takes a whole year of planning, a whole year. And it brings us to the idea of just like, do you think we have poor etiquette when it comes to us supporting one another in the Muslim community? I feel like sometimes are we even as professional as we should be with one another? I feel like we don't take one another as seriously as we should be. I think, you know, we take other like maybe organizations that are just 
Americans, Westerners, we, you know, we are always punctual with them. We always provide them with everything that they need. We bend backwards for them. But why, when it comes to our own community, you think we forget that these are sometimes working mothers who are trying to bring an income into their household to help provide for their family. I think we forget the hard work that they put into this. And I think it's incredible that you've created a convention where we where you showcase all these amazing Muslim-owned brands, especially female Muslim-owned brands. You know what I mean? I, I think we need more of this. And I think more people need to attend conventions like this. And we need yes. to support one another more I think often. our community, we're starving for something like this because we never had the opportunity, like you said, to show off our identity and our religion in a way that's so public and so grand and like you said it started in a small you know the family room of someone's house to one of the largest muslim fashion conventions i mean that's like a huge jump what you're saying is absolutely right and this is something that i'm very vocal about being in the business for over 10 years now nothing hurts my heart more than watching how muslims have such poor etiquette with each other and so i'm very vocal about the fact that we should not be offering friends and family discounts because generally when you have a company, it's your friends and family who are the ones who are buying from you. And if you're giving everyone discounts, you've made, you've made no profit at the end of the day. And so we need to train the Muslim community to get used to and be comfortable in supporting us. And by saying, I'm sorry, I don't do family and friends discounts. I, I really would just appreciate your your support. And and I feel like this theme of support is definitely one that is resonating more and more with the community. Because when I look at the PFH convention footage, let's say from the, the initial days of the trunk show until now, you look at people. And by the way, what's unique about the PFH convention is that it's a, a convention that is organized entirely by Muslim women for Muslim women. It's an all women's event. And that, that I really feel like that distinguishes it distinguishes itself because there's really nothing similar to it that we can just go and kind of just see what our other Muslim women are up to in the area and kind of just show them our support and, and, and look at the talent and connect. And so I'm always trying to talk about these, the poor etiquette that I see. And one of the main ones is with the way that we incessantly bargaining, which is such, uh, you know, such an inappropriate thing to do because, you know, you're not, you're not going to walk into Gucci and ask for a discount. And if anything, if anything, you want to show that person that, wow, you've, you're, you've started your own company. I'm sure that that's like, that's difficult in and of itself. Let me do what I can to support you. So my message to people is generally, if you have your own company, do not even offer friends and family discounts. And if you are buying from these companies, do not even ask or accept a friend and family family discount. Because if if I'm going to tell you, oh yeah, for my for, for friends, I give discounts because I feel shy. Really, it's because women feel shy to let other people know that they're making, you know, they're making money and that they have a company. You as the consumer should say, I'm sorry, I don't want any discount. Please give me the full price. And so we have to really retrain ourselves. And I will tell you, when I went to Isna, because I uh, one of the lines that I started is uh, my own hijab line. Um, I collaborated with Swarovski, and so I do luxury hijabs, and and I do now um, uh, casual hijabs. And I and it's a new, it's a niche market within a niche market. You know, it's expensive hijabs. And so uh, it's not for everybody. I knew that going to Isna, the land of bargaining, that expensive scarves aren't going to sell. But I told myself, I'm not going to walk away defeated or um, not making, you know, money. I'm going to Isna to tease everyone with how gorgeous these scarves are. And so literally I had this incredible display of the most beautiful scarves you've ever seen. And I didn't even give one discount and what do you think I'm going to say? Tell us. <laughs> I sold 
out. Mashallah. I knew she was going to say that. But I was like, wow. And I swear it's because I stood firm in my mission statement and I would explain what it is. And I would tell them I am a, a young Muslim professional coming from Los Angeles. I had to pay to get here to Chicago, to Houston. You know, I'm putting myself out there. That silk chiffon is not a cheap fabric no. made and designed in Los Angeles. That's not cheap. Swarovski, if anyone knows Swarovski, they're not cheap. Why would they be any cheaper? Because you're buying it from me. Do you know what I mean? As I stood firm in that, you couldn't you couldn't argue with what I said. So either you're going to buy it or you're going to miss out on a very beautiful hijab that you could have owned. This is incredible advice, Hassan, for future Muslim business owners, because I think sometimes we, when we allow these bargainers to take over us and we give them the bargain price, it's almost we lose confidence in what we're selling. Be right. confident that you created an amazing product. Show them the value. Like, I'm not going to bargain with you because I put a lot of time and effort into this and I know the quality of my work and I know what the price is. And this is why I initially set it at this price. I'm not here to cheat you. I'm here to show you of how what I what I've created and what I've produced. And yeah, like you said, either you buy Buy it or you don't. That's it. Either you That's support it. me and or you don't. If you if you can't afford it, that is okay. And you as the, the, the producer, you as the business owner need to be okay knowing that you, your products are not for everyone if, if it's expensive. And but you will find your tribe. You will Absolutely. find your tribe. I think it's super important to support Muslim-owned businesses. I believe you've said this before, Hassana. The fact of the matter is like you're purchasing from a brand that has you in mind when you're creating it. You obviously have a hijab line that's beautiful and luxury, but you also had your community in mind. You had these Muslim women in mind when you created this product. It's not a product that anybody can buy from. No. It's you know specific and it's tailored for the Muslim women in your community that you want them to feel that they're wearing a luxurious like hijab. And then you're also investing in your community. We always want our community to thrive. We always want to have a seat at the table we always want to be in mainstream media and all that stuff but how do you think we'll ever get there if you're not even investing within your own community if you're not putting the dollars where you in in these businesses that are owned by the muslim people um and this is something also you said hasana when you're supporting people now you're basically showing the youth of our community that you have a community that's going to support you should you ever think of an idea that you want to bring to bring to life just like you said the high tea if she didn't go to your convention and if she didn't see everybody supporting one another i don't think she would have had the motivation to create her own no. brand she would it's such a great point yeah. it starts from one person having that support and it is like a, a, a ripple, ripple effect. effect oh I, I just want to mention this because this was a big part of the convention and why i feel like it resonated with people was because so many of these women were actually afraid to see other women succeed i, I this is a message that that i really want to bring across because people always tell me like, wow, you always support, so you always like tag different, you know, brands on your account and, and you support different companies and whatever. Aren't you ever afraid that they're going to take your following or that, you know, that they're going to get opportunities that, you know, you should have gotten or whatever. And my answer is absolutely not. Because number one, we know that God says your rizq, your sustenance is already written. There is nothing that anyone could ever do to take that from you unless God has willed it. That's number one. Number two, when you support each other, I really believe that when we support each other, our success is each other's success is all of our success and getting over the fact that, oh, we're both in the same space. We both do hijabs. We both do baby clothes. We both do God knows what. There's enough room for everybody. Believe me, because each person, even if they're living in the same town, they have different family, different communities, different friends that are always looking for like, oh, do you know anyone in the community that does this? Yeah, I do actually this person. You can never stop recommending those and across the country. 
So there's enough space for everyone. So once you get over that fear of other people succeeding, believe me, you will achieve success. Uh, that's our basically our mission was is that where there's always going to be room at the table for everybody. Even if we're putting out the same products, our designs, our thought process of, of putting that product together is going to be different no matter what because we're coming from different backgrounds. It's a myth that there's no room for all of us. I think the only time when there isn't room for all of us is when you're choosing to not support right. the, your, the people in your community. When you're withholding your support, you're creating less room, honestly. But when you show up and you showcase your support for your community, everybody else is going to notice, even major corporations just like Macy's who notice this and they have Verona under their belt and they have another aid collection under their belt, the Ramadan. Like how Macy's would have never probably done that if they didn't notice that they're, wow, these Muslims are supporting one another yes. and they're going to come out strong and they're going to do this for their community. But before we move on from the PFH convention, can you give us an insight of what we would expect if we were to attend? Because I would love to see more women attend. I mean, Zaina would love to yes, attend, yes, inshallah, the, for the upcoming one. I just want people to really grasp what it is. It's not going to be like mass sickness. Isn't it? This is for Muslim women and it's so beautiful. Women. So yeah. I want you to talk about a little bit more about it. So this is what you can expect as an attendee. You can connect with um, other women who are in the industry. So a lot of women, I hear from them, they say, I'm, I, I want to start something, but I'm afraid, or I don't know where to start, or I need kind of a role model or what have you. This is an excellent networking event for that. So there's a lot of networking that, that happens. You're connected to a lot of different women in various spaces. So you get kind of inspired from that. That's one aspect. Another aspect of it is if you actually have your own company, this is an excellent platform to reach a very targeted market um, because it's only women. So let's say you do modest fashion, then you know 100% of the attendees are going to be potential clients for you. So uh, it's it's really a great target market for, for that specifically and getting your name out there. Uh, so, um, cause a lot of times people think, well, is it going to be worth my time? What if I don't, you know, make a return on my investment and all of that. And I always tell them, I'm like, listen, you, you need to kind of redefine what success, a successful event means for you. Because if you are a brand that you haven't connected with any other brands and you're just starting out, you need to get your product into the hands of as many people as possible. You need to be talking to as many people as possible so that you can learn, you can elevate, you can change, you can strategize, et cetera. And so coming out there, even if you don't even make one sale, the networking and just kind of that renewing of confidence that, oh my God, there's so many other women. I'm not alone in this process because sometimes it can be really daunting as a small business owner and really frightening with some of the, some of the, the, the things that you experience and you just don't, you don't know how to deal with. So it's, it's definitely something that can, can help boost your confidence in that regard. Also, we have a fashion show. Our fashion show is one of the, one of the most coveted parts of the event. It's a really well done fashion show where you, as the brand, you can see your brand uh, come to life on the runway, which is always awesome. Um, and then you as the attendee get to attend a really cool kind of, people call it the Muslim um, New York Fashion wow. Week, which is great. Mashallah, it's kind yeah. of like one of those things. Um, so we, we spend a lot of time making sure that the, that the fashion show really stands out. And then we have workshops, workshops. And every, every year we conduct post-event surveys asking our attendees, what do you want to see? So workshops was, was a huge thing. Small workshops on tutorials on how to wear your hijab, how to do makeup, how to stand out in the professional world in an oversaturated kind of industry, how to reach out to the media. Um, we have a health and wellness aspect to it as well. We had for mothers too, how to recover from postpartum, uh, post-delivery and kind of getting back on your feet. 
in terms of mental, mentally, physically, and, and all of that. Uh, and then we do panel discussions, panel discussions about really important topics. Uh, influencers that influence us in, in the most meaningful of ways come from all over to kind of give their two cents on the topics that we are, that are, that are set. Last year was about redefining influence. And it was, we also had a panel discussion on how to uh, manage motherhood and entrepreneurship, the do's and don'ts of mixing babies with, with business. And so our panel discussions, our workshops, our fashion shows, our meet and greets, our bazaars. And then last year we did a singles networking event as well. We have Why not? one of our, <laughs> yeah, we have one of our influencers um, who is in that space, the matrimonial space, the Muslim Ooh, matrimonial is it space. Yasmin? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, she's amazing. Um, and Huda as well. They did an awesome job. They're really trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to Muslim uh, matchmaking uh, and just making it kind of like a low pressure environment, which was really, it was really successful. Alhamdulillah, we had over a over hundred attendees for that. So yeah, it's kind of like you get so much. And this year we're doing something really special is that we're making the convention a two-day event. Because our panel discussions ended up being so popular, a lot of people um, wrote into us saying, we want to attend them without music in the background. We want to be really be able to engage and we want to, so we're doing an entire day of professional development where we're going to have five different panel discussions with um, ex- experts in the field. We're going to we're going to help do what we can to give women the, the confidence to live their best life and also go after their turn their passions into into realities. So it's really a one-stop shop for all things yeah. Muslim woman. Like that's I incredible. Want to go, like now, like well, really, well, I'm so <laughs> excited. It's my dream to attend a PFH convention. Yes, you know, like, as, as, I know you're the one running home, behind. I yeah, so much on the day of. Like I just want to attend one of them. You know what I mean? Inshallah, one day you might have like a whole bunch of the assistants team, and yeah. you get to actually. Inshallah. But Hassan, you're so hands on. I can never see you just sitting there and just I like know. no, you're so hands on, Mashallah. But this is incredible. This is a mashallah. convention that I think all of us are asking for. But here it is. It's right here. It's right in front of you. Like take yeah, advantage and of And something this. that you mentioned earlier is that like you could never imagine like you're younger yourself could never imagine hosting an event like this or for there to even be an event like this not even hosting it but for there to to be something that you could attend that's so Muslim woman focused I mean I like you said you you couldn't even fathom the idea of having this this space where women can uplift each other and empower each other and just be there to support each other and I think what you're doing mashallah mashallah is the most incredible thing in the world honestly this conversation just truly motivated me but did you ever expect all these things to happen to you Hasna when you were younger I feel like our younger selves just never imagined no. where we would be today standing today and where you are standing today amazing you have so many accomplishments under your belt what would you tell your younger self like or is this like I said is this what you imagined when you were young that you could achieve these things when I was younger I always and people ask what do you want to be when you grow up I always said I wanted to be the Muslim Oprah and I feel like in some in, you know in some regards I'm fulfilling that just because one of the things I loved about Oprah was that she's constantly giving and connecting and elevating yes and she's incredibly spiritual and so I feel like with what I do because I wear a lot of different hats with what I do my purpose at the core of all of the different things that I do, the purpose is the same, which is I want to elevate the deen. I really want to, I want to elevate the deen and I want to enhance the image of Islam, is particularly here in the US. And I want to help Muslim women feel more confident in being visibly Muslim and being just an American Muslim woman and what that means in today's society. I definitely feel like this is not far-fetched from like what I dreamed of when I was younger, but it keeps evolving in ways that I could have 
never imagined. And really, it's all because of God's barakah. And I believe firmly, firmly, that so long as I keep him first, and he is my main goal, and elevating the deen is my main goal, that God will always put tawfiq. God will always open doors when it comes when it when it comes to that. And so that is something that puts my heart at ease, just feeling kind of confident with the, the trajectory and where I'm headed, even if I don't know what it looks like. This is incredible advice, Hassan, because it's so beautiful because I feel like it's kind of scary to think this, but sometimes I feel like our Muslim youth are kind of losing touch with our faith. And I think because of obviously all this Islamophobic things that are happening around the world that you do feel like almost disconnected from your religion. You almost start to question your religion. But I really hope anybody that's listening that's young really takes all this advice and takes it to heart because I feel like anything that you do wallahi if you have Allah in your heart it comes out just so beautifully more than you could have ever even imagined the success that was meant for you it would be it's going to be so amazing so incredible when you consistently connect with Allah and I think we kind of tend to forget that I think sometimes we're so full of ourselves and our ego and our pride that we often forget that our success every little bit of success big or small comes from Allah you are not able to do anything even if, for the simple fact of like you not being able to wake up it's just that's also a blessing in itself to just be able to wake up and right your wrongs every single day and I think we need to make it a habit to make dua for ourselves I don't think we do that often I don't think we sit there and we actually connect with Allah and we talk to him and we actually make dua for ourselves and just wish the best for ourselves and hope that anything that we do is laced with pure intentions and that even if we do become famous influencers one day that we still stick true to our intentions yeah. so for me I think when I was younger I was constantly in that mode like I have to take this class I have to graduate at this year I have to do this I have to land this internship and it, and I had to kind of sit down with my mom one day and, and talk to her about you know like I feel like I'm constantly on I feel like I'm constantly running this race and she was like you know when was the last time you put your floor to the head and prayed and thanked Allah for everything you've gotten and that reminder I swear to God was like the one thing I needed. Like no matter how many A's I got on my test, no matter how many internships I got, I would be nothing if it wasn't for Allah's mercy. Thank you so much, Hasana. For Absolutely. all this incredible advice, for this incredible I conversation. Love this conversation, yeah. Well, at least with so many inspirational stories, like they're very, very eye opening. And I really hope that everybody takes something away from this episode and truly, honestly, follows you. And I hate using the word follow, I think, but really supports you mm-hmm. and just understands like that every, things can be done. You can be successful. You can still have it all, but still stick true to your faith and your identity. You don't have to compromise your faith in yeah. anything that you do. Allah is able to give you anything that you want want as long as you just stay faithful to your religion and stay faithful to who you truly are and just don't compromise yourself or just your character in general absolutely and i really honestly want to thank both of you for giving me the platform to elevate kind of this and and just relay this message to to your supporters and your followers of the show because well the work that you're doing is wonderful we might think that conversations might not have a great impact but i swear to god they do now more than ever So thank you both for the work that you do. Thank you both for providing this platform and for elevating these stories and for having the guests on the the show that you do. And may God always put Baraka in in, in this show and allow it to reach as many people as possible uh, and always have Baraka in it, inshallah. 
Thank Inshallah. you so much. I just really hope we continue supporting one another. Honestly, we're such a stronger community when we're there for one oh, another. Absolutely. And we just put our differences aside and just wish the best for everybody. Honestly, just keep that door of success open behind you. I cannot say them enough, honestly. But before we let you go, Hasana, we have three quick questions for you. Rapid fire that we did not add on the outline. So you did not <laughs> <laughs> what but you were so well spoken. So this is not yes, going to be fun. Yeah, you're no. not going to. Yeah, you're going to easily know how to answer them. The first Uh one is going to be, what is the best gift you have ever received? It could be an actual physical gift or just even maybe the best advice you've ever received. Look, I'll tell you, I want to talk about a physical gift because I, I, my, my love language is giving gifts and receiving gifts. This past year at the PFH convention, one of the brands gave me a gift that was a doorknob. Wow. And the note said, thank you for opening doors for so many women around the world. May God open uh, doors of blessings for you. And I was like, oh, my God. That's amazing. I that such an, I, okay, I am only giving doorknobs as gifts. <laughs> that's amazing. Open doors success, and I even know she's going to say that. Before I read Mashallah, the note, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Door <laughs> that's amazing. That amazing. That's such a good gift. I love thoughtful gifts yeah. like that. That's something that I you're like going to literally hold on to. For the re- <laughs> literally figuratively hold on to. Creative. Yeah, I need to up creative. my gift giving game. Yeah, like, gift up. cards are not doing it. They're not inspirational. <laughs> for real. That's am- Okay, that's a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. I knew she was going to like Yeah, this. of course. <laughs> Second question, Hasana. What's the most interesting thing that you have read or seen this week i think there's always something in the news these days yeah. that it's like oh my god one of the most interesting things i mean i it's not like a fact on the news or anything like that but just something that i've declared that i'm changing and i'm it's going to be one of my posts soon on instagram is that when we invite people over for dinner parties we think that we're doing a favor like we're doing something kind by um waiting for all of the families to arrive to serve the food when in reality all that we are doing is re- rewarding people for being late and punishing people for being on time and i think it's such a backward mentality you guys, my family, my extended family is so guilty of this. And you are right. It's because they know no matter how late they are, we're not going to serve the food until they arrive. Oh, see, no, my family is very punctual. Like if my CD, if it's like... (laughs) Yeah, if it's like we said we're meeting at 5, if it's 5.02 and you're not there, he's already sitting on the table eating. Like, he's wow. not waiting for anyone yet. But you guys, I feel like our grandparents, Walla, are the most punctual yeah. people ever. I don't know what happened as the generations went on and on because we got worse and worse and yeah. worse. I but remember my so wedding true. started like 15 minutes late and he's like, Shadawa, like, Allah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, that's... Honestly, Hassan, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, that's that amazing. Is, you, that's we never thought point. of something like, we never thought of it in that sense that we do reward those who are late and we punish people for being on time. That's so rude. We yeah. literally let the, the backward mentality. I feel so yeah. guilty my now. <laughs> my eyes to this because valuing people's times is so important to me. And so I always try to show people I value their time and if, so that they can do the same for me. And she told me that she was like the way that, because Middle Easterners are so notorious for being late. Sometimes they're almost trying to make a statement by being late. She says that the party is at six, dinner will be served at seven. Whether there's one family or all families, dinner is served at seven. And so I'm just like, that's such a beautiful thing. Like you really are honoring like the people who are there, right? Because the people who came on time, why do they have to wait for the people who don't yeah, care? Exactly. You know? And then it makes them, then the people that are on time now become the people that are, on, that are late too, because they yeah. know. Oh, that's so and so. Oh my God. I'm not going to let my mensif get cold anymore. Like, if I said seven, it's seven. (laughs) (laughs) Last question, Hasana. What is the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? Well, I will just tell you, just knowing me, my husband, when I was pregnant with my son last year, he told me at two o'clock, 
do you, we were trying to do as much traveling before my cutoff date. You know, like you have a cutoff date when yeah. you're traveling because um, then you, you when you're can pregnant, no longer travel. Yeah. yeah. And he basically was like, do you want to go to Seattle tonight? When I pack, it takes me days. Yeah. Okay, like, <laughs> think about God knows what and all that. I deeply wanted to get over this about me. I did not want to be this way anymore. So I, I wanted to say no, but I wrote, yes, let's do it. And within three hours, we were at the airport. I don't know how that happened. This is not me whatsoever. I packed my bag. I was like, I'm going to bring this. I'm going to bring that. It's going to be fine. doesn't matter. We're going to make this work. And I just love that I got over this fear of like letting, uh, packing the perfect outfits for the perfect pictures and the guy yeah. one. We're just going to roll with it. So I was so proud of myself to just roll with it. Because I take forever even packing skincare, you guys. Just even skincare <laughs> on its own needs a whole shantanol, a whole backpack all by itself yeah. to, to just travel like that. But it probably made your trip that much more exciting and fun and just valuable because you can remind yourself that like, you know, we just went on this trip because we felt like it. Yeah. And I, not gonna, when you when you take days to plan something, it kind of takes the fun out of it. It becomes oh, like yeah, so yeah. planned It becomes a chore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's amazing, honestly. Yeah. Thank you, Hasana. Honestly, I don't know how many times I have to say thank you. I don't think yeah. I'll yeah, I love enough. this conversation, oh, honestly. I feel like I'm walking away from a lot. I wish it could be longer, but it, it's, it's, I feel like, inshallah, we will have you on again inshallah. soon. I feel like there's just so much more in store for you, so much more for you to share. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts, honestly, for doing something for our Muslim community, for, you know, when, when in whatever you do, you think of your Muslim community yes. and how you can give back. And it really means a lot. And inshallah, every diet that's ever, that you've ever wanted from Allah is honestly answered because you inshallah. truly deserve it. Because you are incredible person thank well, you well that's so kind of you I, I honestly i'm so proud of this show that you produce honestly you both are so professional and it's okay. very clear that you think about and i swear to god professionalism will take you so far especially in the muslim community uh it's so clear that you put so much thought into everything that you do and I, i'm truly proud of what you're doing so thank you, again Hasana. may god bless your endeavors inshallah both of you thank and you we love you so much for and we didn't have women like you doing amazing things yes, for our community absolutely. so inshallah inshallah we hear more about you in the future and inshallah much more success and happiness and congrats on your pregnancy announcement yes. inshallah it's a <laughs> healthy you. and good I'm pregnancy inshallah. Inshallah. thank you hasana my pleasure my pleasure thank you guys so much thank you I wish I could send this episode to younger Zaina because I feel like there's so many important factors and things that she brought up that I wish I knew when I was younger and I wish I had told myself when I was younger. Yeah, it's like there's a part of us that wants to travel back in time, guide our younger selves. But then there's also a part of us like I don't know if you agree with Zaina, but I don't have any regrets. I think. I think when you don't have any regrets is when you're comfortable in who you are today. I think there was a point in my life where I did have a lot of regrets and that's because I was still confused about who I am, where I'm going, what I want to do with my life. And I was listening to so many outside voices and not my own inner voice. But now I'm able to say I have zero regrets and I... I want to now work towards helping the younger generation. Yeah, because there was a time I always said, man, I wish I could tell my younger self, like, everything's going to be okay. That's probably the only thing I'd want to tell my younger self. Like, everything's going to be okay. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, you know, kind of go the wrong way here and there. But halas, like, everything happens for a reason. Exactly. And I don't think you would be the dunya you are today if you didn't have those regrets or, for you, or yeah. make those mis quote unquote mistakes. And I don't think you would be 
as helpful to other people if you didn't go through what you went through. That's such a good point. I think that's why sometimes we do struggle. The reason behind our struggle sometimes, it's it's a way for us to be more empathetic towards others. Yes, and that's exactly. I think what we discussed in our introduction. But this was a great episode for our one year anniversary because I do want to start like focusing on our younger generation. And I really hope these episodes do help our younger generation. Sometimes the content is very mature, but at the same time, we want to handle it in a way where young kids can listen to these yeah, episodes. And make sure that if you're at home and listening and your sister's in the next room and she's younger like pull her and let her listen with you let your daughters listen like give them the information and the tools they need so that they don't have to go through the struggles that you went through in life yeah because I think when we were younger we were so overwhelmed with life like I didn't know what my calling was what it is I'm at my age 30 and I transitioning from I feel like I want to transition out of my career and find what I really really truly love like this is what opened the doors for me like this is what I love to do talking to people using my creative side a creative ability and trying to like just connect with people this that's what I love to do I don't see why not I just can't like and but the thing is that then there's people like you you know you honestly you you switched career or I switched, switched careers yeah I went yeah. back to school and and sometimes I mean I wasn't you know, older, but I, sometimes I was the older one in my class being 25 and, you know, whatever, but it's, it's never too late, whether you're 25, 45, 55, like there is still time for you to find what you want to do. And I think that's what I would have told my younger self, not to put so much pressure on the labels of like, I have to be successful at 20. I have to do this. I have to do that. Because honestly, like I said, I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't struggle finding myself. I think I want to focus less on my age because I think that sounds cliche, but it is just a number. Mm -hmm. It's focused on who you are, what you want to achieve out of life, where you want to go and just put age to the side. It really should not be the the chain and ball that's holding you down from your dreams and aspirations i feel like there's so many people that forgo that because they feel like oh i'm too old or life has passed me by or i should be already starting a family which yeah if you if that's, that's what you want that's what you want but i just think like do what you want to do not what society is telling you to do exactly. and i think we literally talk about this in every episode but, but it's an important message it is an important message i think that's something i wish i was told when i was younger and that's what i want to convey in these mess in these episodes i want to talk to these younger kids and let them know that everything's going to be okay and i think at the end of the day whatever life path you choose and this is what i want to end it on is just do things with pure intentions and voila everything will come back tenfold everything that is meant for you will be will come towards you like you know what i mean just do things with good intentions trust yourselves allow yourself to have a, a, a good circle of friends and family who really support you do not listen to those who are negative but then at the same time you know don't also rebel so much where you think everybody's against you. I think that's also something that I had to learn just because some people don't agree with what you're doing doesn't mean that they're against you. Yeah. They're just another set of eyes for you to see things a little bit more clearly. So this is just a good episode for us to just talk about our community, our sisterhood. I think that's what's so important. That's what we want to cultivate with our podcast, honestly. So I really hope that's what we did for this whole year, inshallah. Inshallah. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.